Welcome to Elements of Cuisine, I'm Joseph Simonera. The show that focuses on rare and exotic fruits and vegetables, and we're gonna cook it and create a good dish and a good meal for everyone at home. Now, sometimes we might be using some organic foods, some other times we may be using some raw recipes, but we're gonna use ingredients that are not easy to find, but very good on the palate. Taste is good, we're gonna look for visual flavors, we're gonna to travel to Asian markets, Italian markets, different ethnic backgrounds, different kinds of cuisines. We're gonna put it all in a pot, Whip it up and taste this and bring it right into your home. Hi, welcome to Elements of Cuisine. I'm Joseph Simonera. We've got a great show for you here today. We're doing prosciutto wrapped tuna and wonderful gazpacho. Now, if you have some wonderful tomatoes in your garden that you're looking to use, this is the recipe for you. Stay tuned. Today, we're going to get started on a gazpacho. Now, there are many different variations to a gazpacho soup, which is a chilled soup, actually originated in Spain, but we're going to take it to a little more rustic level, maybe outside of Europe just a little bit in the uh, Italian region of Piedmont. So where does gazpacho come from? Well, it's a cold soup, and like many cold soups where you're doing a champagne and melon or a mixed vegetable and tomato broth, cold soups are really nice, and I think they're a great opener and a start to a meal. I actually had uh, a woman who actually makes gazpacho in a mortar pestle, which is like this really nice ceramic brick type of thing. What they do is they mash the herbs and ingredients and really release the flavor. I had some be the best gazpacho I ever had in Spain when she made it in that mortar pesto. But today we're going to take it just in a different direction. We're going to make it a little bit rustic. And with rustic, what I mean is you're going to take the ingredients that you have and put it in a blender and make it a little more of a pulp than a liquid consomme or a bouillon. Uh, what we're going to first do is grab our tomatoes, make sure we have some wonderful looking tomatoes. Believe it or not, these tomatoes were actually grown in my grandmother's garden, who was, God bless her soul, 92 years old. And what uh, she does is grow various different types and hybrids of tomatoes, and there's over 126 variety of tomatoes. Uh, this you're looking at right here is the beefsteak vine ripe. And we're also going to be getting involved with uh, some yellow vine ripe tomatoes as well. These are called chilicos, uh, and the seed is actually uh, outside of the Napoli region, uh, next to Avellino. And this seed is hybrid and only grow in fr from May to July. We're also going to be using that in our gazpacho as well. So I guess to really get started, we want to make sure that the colors of the tomato are really bright and vibrant. And um, pushing them in also is going to determine whether or not they're ripe and have their maximum capacity of taste. So what we're going to do is first core this out by taking what's called a bird's peak knife and just kind of move it around. Take that out like so. I'll leave our tomato like this. What we're going to do is get all these seeds out of here. Um, and what you're going to do is not cut the tomato this way, but what you're going to do is cut it straight down the middle like so. And you're going to notice all of our seeds. These seeds you actually do want to get out in your gazpacho because it will make your soup taste bitter. So what we're going to do is discard these seeds in a bowl like so. 
And if you just squeeze it, it comes out relatively quick and just give it a little bit of a shake three times. You usually do it. You might see one or two in there, but that's okay. You could just get that out. Put that back and repeat the process and do it with this one as well. So now we're going to take our, um, our yellow tomato as well and repeat the process and do the same thing. Cut it down the middle. And the seeds are much smaller and they'll come out of the tomato much easier than the other ones. See, I do it once and pretty much just falls right out. The same. The yellows are really important, I think, in gazpacho. Really give it that earthy gardening flavor that we're looking for. Now, so now what I'm going to do is start off with a cup of tomato juice. Now you can get any tomato juice that you like. Um, I prefer red tomato juice. They are selling yellow right now. I'm going to put that into our blender like so. And that's going to be the base of our gazpacho because yes we could have made it totally with with all this tomato stuff and we could have gotten the juices out from there but what I really wanted to accomplish here is have a base of, of tomato juice and then just add this for rustic flavor so what we're going to do is add our tomatoes that we just seeded in here like so and we're just looking for a little bit of a pulp because the rustic flavor here and the rustic cooking is actually going to be a little more pulpier than let's say a delicate French dish like a consomme or, or a bouillon. It's all the same once you sit down and eat, but there is varieties. I'm going to turn that on. And that's what we're looking for. We have nice big pieces of tomato in there as well. So next we're going to get started on the vegetable. We're going to take our tomato, rustic tomato pulp, and put it into our bowl. And again, right away you can smell that garden earthy tomato taste that we're really looking for. Other variations to this dish, of course. This is just something basic that I've come up with that's really easy to do and comes out really nice. So we're going to take our zucchinis, yellow squash, and what we're going to do is just cut matchsticks. Can you cut dices? Can you cut half moons? Can you cut large dices? You can do all that. It doesn't really matter. I prefer having nice little strips and then maybe doing a little bit of mincing, or as we call it in the kitchen, brunoise. So now we're going to continue to cut down the zucchini as well. And together we can turn them around and really put a nice small brunoise of veg. Okay, so when we've gotten to that point where everything is kind of chopped up nice the way we want it, we're going to put it right into the, uh, the actual soup. Now something else that's really equally important uh, besides the vegetable, besides the tomatoes, is the onion that you use. Now some people might use a white onion in gazpacho, however we're using the red onion here. The so red onion has a unique flavor that we're looking for. We're going to take our red onion, peel it like so. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to slice it down the middle and just cut it very, very, very fine. And we probably want three quarters of that onion. We don't want all of it because, of course, we don't want the, the onions to overpower the flavor of anything that we're doing here. We're going to take our onions, add them to the soup as well, and we are halfway there to our gazpacho. Next, what we're going to do is get started on our chives. Very, very big essential to gazpacho. I know some people have ha actually uh, told me that parsley goes very well, and probably it does. However, I like the chive because it's part of the onion family and it'll increase the flavorness and the garden taste of this gazpacho. We're going to take some of these chives, probably only need half of these, and we're going to mince them up as well. And again, you can do a rough chop, it doesn't really matter. 
the smaller the better. You're going to actually let your gazpacho sit for about 24 hours anyway. So we're going to add our chives to the dish. And now we're actually going to get started on just a little bit of pepper. And we are almost done with our gazpacho. I like just a little bit of pepper. Uh, the, you can leave the skin on. It'll add to the earthiness of the dish. We're going to do the same like so. And again, you want to make the peppers extremely small, probably the smallest you have made anything at this point. Okay, and what you want is a nice, nice, nice small amounts uh, to complement the dish. I'm going to add a lot of that in there. All right, so if you didn't have orange pepper, could you have used another kind of pepper? Absolutely. You could have used green, you could have used red. But, however, I like to, you know, put a little color into it and make it interesting. Um, something that we actually, chefs always worry about in the restaurant is colorful, but, you know, colorful really meets the eye. It's visually vibrant and, it, you know, really get, get you kind of working for a nice meal. We're going to mix all of our ingredients like so. So we have all of our ingredients added in our gazpacho. Now the final thing to do is season it. We're going to season it with a little bit of um, black pepper. This is a cool gadget I actually picked up uh, down by uh, Chinatown. Really nice. And we're going to add some salt, just a little bit. Again, this is all adjusting to your palate. Do you like it really salty? Do you like it only a little bit? Maybe I can have salt. Okay, so leave the salt out. The Tabasco is kind of important in this because you need a little bit of a heat. I personally don't like things too hot, but however, the, for the normal amount of gazpacho, probably this whole capsule will do just fine. Okay, very good. We're going to continue to mix this up. You really smell that, really nice. So what we're going to do is scoop this into the bowl. And I've gotten some, some uh, Asiago cheese. We've grated some Asiago cheese with a little bit of chives to actually go with this Spanish kind of cold soup. I'm going to just ladle a little bit of soup in there like so. Really earthiness. If you didn't have time or you couldn't kind of stand to wait all day to have this, you can actually just scoop it into the bowl. At least wait a couple of hours for all those vegetables to, you know, absorb that tomato flavor and the heat to be released out. And what we're going to do is take just a little bit of cheese and garnish that on top. And what I like to do for the grand finale is to take a little bit of chili powder or Old Bay and kind of sprinkle that over the top. So there you have it, a very simple soup nice cold soup on a summer day or a really cold winter, doesn't really matter. But here you have it, the gazpacho, ladies and gentlemen. Grab whatever you have in your kitchen. If you don't have red onions, you could use white, certainly. You can use any other onion. You have shallots are even nice in it, but the red onion actually complements the gazpacho and brings it to where we want to be. 
So we're ready to get started on our next dish, which is going to be a lamb prosciutto wrapped tuna. What we're going to do is mix all these vegetables up and put it in a pot and reduce very slowly. And we're going to actually release all the natural sugars to the vegetables. I like this dish a lot. It was very hard to actually find lamb prosciutto, but once you taste it, it's got a different characteristic of the taste prosciutto. Uh, it's more lean, it doesn't leave such, so much of a saltier taste on your palate, and it's wonderful for wrapping in fish and barding meats. So we're going to get started, take our prosciutto, and I've sliced uh, pretty long pieces. Um, you know, the longer the better. What we're going to have to do is probably double this up and take a double prosciutto kind of like that because what we're going to do is take this and roll it. Now what we're using here is tuna. This is ahi tuna, sushi grade. You really can't get any better than this. And you really can tell the difference when you've gotten really good tuna as opposed to maybe like a third grade or, or second grade tuna. Um, eight meaning you know canned tuna which nobody wants to go there with. But we're going to take our tuna and, and again look how nice and kind of firm it is. And again of course the color. We're looking at a vibrant red here. Uh, which signals freshness, great quality. So what we're going to do is take our tuna, we're going to measure it up to where we're going to be wrapping it, and we're going to cut a piece of tuna like this. And this is good for one, one person. Um, if you wanted three or four, you can just kind of follow the same procedure. And what we're going to do is wrap it around the tuna like so. And if we see that we really only need one wrap, well then you can just take the rest of the prosciutto and put it aside. And I like to just kind of trim the edges a little bit. For even cooking. And we could take this aside later and actually roll some sushi with it. So here we have it. We have our tuna. It's wrapped with the lamb prosciutto. It's looking nice. The portion size is decent. And we're going to get started on our sear. We're going to let that sear to mid-rare. And then we're going to kind of make our coconut sauce that's going to be accompanied with this. So here we go. We're going to go right to the pan. I'm going to add some oil. Oh, Joe, what kind of oil can I use? Well, what we can use is olive oil because the olive oil can only complement the prosciutto. If we were using like a, a meat, let's say a pork, and we were wrapping it, then we would go to a saute oil because we're not looking for that olive oil flavor. So we're going to grab our olive oil and put just a little bit in the pan. We're not looking for a lot. Anytime we're searing any kind of fish or we're cooking any kind of fish in the pan, we never want to put too much oil and it really doesn't do any, anybody any good. Should we have to salt this fish? Absolutely not. The prosciutto is salty enough. So we're going to take the fish and put it in the center of the pan and just kind of rub it around a little bit making sure it doesn't stick. And we're going to leave that on low heat. Again, if you like your mid-rare tuna, then you're going to go about four minutes on each side. If you like the tuna well done, you can keep it in there for eight minutes on, on, on each side. I, I like it well done. I'm not too much of a, of a raw uh, freak with that. And remember, you want to sear the tuna seam side down so it doesn't unfold while you're cooking it. So we've placed our tuna here, and the key to it really is to kind of move it around. If it didn't stick to the pan, you're doing a great job. So let's just lower that down so we can kind of proceed with the other things we're doing. Next, we're going to get started on a coconut sauce. Real simple coconut. What I did was I took a coconut out of a can, like a Coco Lopez or a John Johnson. Um, any kind of a coconut milk will, will do fine. Could you have used straight coconut milk? Yeah, but then you wouldn't get that sugar taste that, that they usually put in there. So add some of our coconut puree. And then we're going to add some heavy cream. And the really beautiful thing about this dish is you can kind of just let it sit on its own and kind of really thicken up and get the thick bubbles going on. 
And again, we're all on low flame. You know, we're not in a rush. We're not going crazy. We're not frantic. Everything's on low. We're, we're kind of going through this. We're going next to the vegetable. Now, here's the thing with the carrot. I love carrots, but they got to go in there first because they're really hard, right? So what you're going to do is take your carrot, cut it in half like so. And this is, we're talking great cooking here. We got a nice root carrots. I'm, I'm already tasting this going to it together. And I, and I brought five great mushrooms to show you. My favorite, but we're only really going to be using the chanterelle. But I figured, hey, since I'm cooking with mushrooms, I might as well show everybody really what's out there. We have cremini mushrooms. Now, these can be caught wild. Um, they're really famous in the Georgia region. Uh, what they do is uh, my family years ago used to do mushroom picking, and that was like a big event. And uh, I used to get these mushrooms all the time. These are great for stewing veal and whatnot. Next, we're going to go with the oyster mushroom. A mushroom that's a little bit more delicate, which is really good uh, fried with sandwiches or deep fried in tempura batter. Next we have the shiitake mushroom. These are really good for stuffing. Say you wanted to stuff like a pork chop or a veal chop, these are great for that. Remember to take the stem off because it's really, really fibrous. And next we have the portobello mushroom. Who could not like the portobello mushroom? A little bit of balsamic oil, salt and pepper. Put me on a beach with some red wine and you won't be able to find me. So, we have all of our mushrooms here, and we're going to use the prize chanterelle, which goes great in any kind of seafood slash surf and turf cooking, which is exactly what we're going to do here. So, while we're talking, we're going back to our tuna, lift it up, and we got a great sear on that tuna. Great sear. Are we rushing? Is anything burning? Put me out outside. I'll get a tan while I'm cooking this meal. Put the prosciutto back down like so. Now, we're next going to get started on these vegetables. So, I've explained the mushrooms. We got some wonderful carrots. We're going to put a little bit of endive in there. And we're going to go with some soybeans. These are great. They come frozen. Uh, if you want to do them fresh, you'll have to peel them, boil them, and shock them. Really nice. They got a great nutty flavor to them. And we're going to actually go in the dish in order and take a little bit of our oil, again using the olive oil. We're going to put a little bit more than uh, what we did with the fish, which is about a half a cup. Again, if you're using olive oil, it's healthy for you anyway. We're going to go back to our sauce real quick and just give it a kind of a stir. Make sure we got nothing sticking, which you won't. And by the time all this is done, you're going to see this is going to be really thick. It's going to be nice. It's going to have nice thick bubbles to it. And maybe if you're a caviar lover like I am, maybe we'll just put a little caviar in there and kind of put it around the plate. So now this oil's on. Again, we don't want the oil that hot. We're going to take our carrots. I guess three would be good. Depends on how many people you have over the house. My house is always filled with people. I got people coming and going. I could never do one dish. I have to do like three or four. Sometimes I don't even get to taste the food. There's so many people coming in and out. So we got our carrots. We're going to go face down the oil. So we got our carrots down there, and they're starting to caramelize and release flavor. What we're going to do is take our mushroom and put them on top of the carrots. And again, everything is on low. We're talking real slow cooking here. Hey, I don't have those chanterelle mushrooms. Not to worry, you can use the cremini or any of the other four that we showed you. The oyster, the, the shiitake, the portobello mushroom. Tuna's looking good. I guess we're going for a mid-rare on this baby. It's not smoking the house up. We're starting to form a little bit of thick bubbles around here, which is a good sign. We've got our oil cooking the vegetable. Definitely got to season these vegetables. We're going to take a little bit of salt. And again, salt is always up to you. You don't want to add salt, you don't have to. Everything's on nice and low. Take a little bit of pepper. 
Continue to cook that down. At what point do we add the beans right now? So we're going to take our nice soy beans and put them around the side. Like so. And you ever notice like that refried bean is always cracked, but it releases so much flavor. I think the, the, the texture of the bean, kind of like fried on the outside, really soft on the inside, is what I always like to do. I, I think it, it lends so much to the dish. Okay, so we got our carrots, we got our chanterelles, we got our beans in there. We're getting beautiful thick bubbles on this coconut sauce. The tuna, if you can actually see, is almost at the mid-rare point. That's another reason why I like to wrap it. You can actually kind of see the temperature as you're cooking it. And now next, the very end, we're going to take our endive because it is delicate. Now, a lot of people maybe want to use radicchio. That's fine. Or maybe you have some spinach at home. You know, I just it's, it's, it's nice for a little bit of a crunch. We're going to throw this in at the very end. Just cut that in thin strips. Watch your fingers. And we're going to take the endive, put it aside. And that's about what we're going to use for that one dish. So next we're going to get our plate and get ready to plate this wonderful tuna. So the tuna is mid-rare, exactly what we wanted to achieve. So we're going to turn the, the tuna off. And at the same time the tuna was done, we were really accurate with how our coconut sauce was going to come down to thick bubbles and get really nice and thick at that point. We're looking over at our vegetables, and what we're getting is a nice brown caramelization. You could have steamed your vegetables if you'd like. However, you know, we're talking olive oil here, no big thing. Kind of releasing the flavors with the oil. Give that a little stir, make sure nothing's sticking. And look, it's all low cooking. We're all easy. We're all relaxed. All right, we're going to start to plate this up. So we're going to take a little bit of our coconut sauce, really nice. Put it in a bowl like so. And we're going to shut this off because it's about all the sauce that we're going to need. We're going to take this sauce and put it on the side. At the very warm phase, what we're going to do is put a little bit of caviar in there, and then I'm going to show you how to spoon it around, um, you know, to kind of complement the tuna and everything. So we're cooking down this, cooking down, getting it nice and brown, getting nice and brown. The tuna's ready to go. We'll let our tuna sit there. And what we're going to start to put now is in the middle is our vegetables. And this time, we're ready to add the endive. We're going to add the endive to it. And we don't want to get crazy because everything else is really hot here. We're just looking for a little bit of a toss. We want to wilt it. We're still looking for that crispy texture that you get from the endive or the radicchio or whatever you want to use. Whatever vegetable you want to put in here, you don't want, to, you don't want it to be a mashed vegetable. Come over here and we're going to start to put our carrots down. And we have plenty of veg here. We have enough veg here probably for two or three dishes. Take some chanterelle mushrooms, beautiful chanterelles. Take some of our wonderful nice beans and maybe put, put a little bit on the side like that. And the radicchio I like to save for putting on top. It's going to go right on top of the tuna. Maybe just put one more chanterelle mushroom there. So what we got is uh, now we got our vegetable down here. And you can see the brown color of the carrots. I mean, this is all natural cooking. It looks good, tastes good. I'm feeling good about it. You know, and you know in your heart when you're cooking if it's not good or if it's wrong or if it's right. This is right. This is good cooking. So what we're going to do is take the tuna. Oh, we got a great sear on that. Look at that. And you could cut it in half if you want. I'm just going to leave it whole and put it on top like that and really, really smelling nice. I'm smelling that prosciutto. And what we're going to do is take a little bit of caviar, about that much, quarter teaspoon, and just mix it up. We're going to spoon just a little bit around it. This, this coconut sauce is relatively really easy to make, and I just think that the caviar adds to it. So what we're going to do is put just a little spoonful here, a little spoonful there, 
and kind of just drizzle it around the plate like so. You don't have to get crazy with the amounts. If you really wanted to kind of drown the, the tuna, well, that's fine, too. I'm just looking for a little bit of a taste. And next, that beautiful endive that we talked about, we're going to finally put that on here. Really nice stuff. And here you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our wonderful prosciutto-wrapped tuna with chanterelles, caviar, and a little bit of coconut sauce. I've heard from so many good people about beans and what kind of beans they like to use. And really the question is, what is the best kind of bean to use? In seafood, in beef? Well, it really is all depends on your taste. Um, I like cannellini beans, I like fava beans, and I especially like soybeans, which we're going to be using in this dish. Uh, any kind of bean, such as a lentil, something that's not overcooked, but has a little bit of a crunch to it, that's what I prefer. Everybody might be different, so their tastes depend on what they like. So we're getting to the last part of the show, the part which I love the most because you get to eat and taste everything. But I paired up two dishes that we've done today with a Sauvignon Blanc wine. And I feel that the whiteness and the fruitiness of the Sauvignon Blanc will go well and cut through some of the fattiness in the prosciutto, as well as complement some of the heat and tomato from the acidic flavor with the gazpacho. And I want to thank you for letting me cook in your home today. I'm Joseph Simonera. Take care.